We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers. For all of you fine folks on the other end of the speaker, I appreciate you tuning in, especially because, as you can tell by my voice, this thing has still not recovered. I honestly am at a point where I'm wondering if my voice, as bad as it already was when healthy, is ever going to recover. because. I mean, the schedule that I'm on is just unbelievable. You know, it's podcast twice a week, football practice every day, teaching every day. I mean, I've done this all before, but it just seems like I lost my voice at a time where it just it just can't recover. It, it's so weird. Hopefully, I mean, essentially what I've got to do is just go a little while without talking. But for some reason, no matter what I do, it just will not get better. I'm to the point now where I'm going to start Googling silly ass home remedies to just try and get something going because my voice has sounded this bad for a few weeks now, essentially since the start of school. You know, we have this, we have this day. I think that the the catalyst, the, the send off of this constantly having about 50% of my voice started. We have a day where it's called back to school night. I don't know if that's a national thing. It's a day at the beginning of the school year where parents could come and meet the teachers. Well, the way we handle it is, you know, each class you go, there's a schedule for the parents. They go to first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth period. Each period is 15 minutes long with five minutes passing. And I have my, my school day looks like ceramics, first period, art, second period, Mentoring, third period, uh, art, fourth period, advanced art, fifth period, and art again, sixth period. I don't have a period off. And during that day, I am talking to a new set of parents every 15 minutes, giving them the shame spiel over and over and over. And I think that's when I lost my voice because that day was like teaching all day, talking all day, coaching, which is talking plus louder if not yelling, not a big yeller, but I do talk loud and then talking to parents nonstop for two hours. So that's like 12 hours of talking almost nonstop. So that's what started this. And I have no idea when it's going to end. So, but I appreciate those of you that have, that have stuck with me. I know this is not the absolute best listening experience on a good day, but I'm still here. I'm in it. And we need to talk about the fact that the Rams just might be stupid. They might just be dumb as hell because it was announced yesterday, I believe, that they would wear their white uniforms for their home opener at SoFi Stadium. And anybody who's been paying attention to anything 
knows that in the past, I mean, not in the past, since the Rams have been playing there, the amount of 49ers fans that have come to games at that stadium has drastically outweighed Rams fans. I think Nick Wagner of ESPN tweeted today that as of right now, per Vivid Seats, I believe, they said that it's like 65% 49ers fans and 35% Rams fans. And I believe that's just based on area code. It wouldn't surprise me if some of those Rams fans are actually 49ers fans, but from the LA area code, which is not uncommon at all. Excuse me. And the fact that the Rams would open themselves up to the 49ers also getting to wear their red jerseys and 49ers fans feeling just a little more comfortable to wear their their red jerseys. Now, if you're a 49ers fan, you're probably already coming in a red jersey. It doesn't really make sense for you to come in a white jersey. There'll be plenty of, of, of 49ers fans in white jerseys, but obviously red's going to be the dominant color no matter what. But it's almost like the Rams are just playing into the fact that like we think a bunch of 49ers fans are going to show up anyways. We might as well. You know what? Okay, here's what they're doing. The Rams might be betting on the fact that there will be more 49ers fans in white jerseys, which is not that many, than there will be Rams fans. So they're like, let's choose white. So at least it looks like there's a lot of our fans in the stands. Maybe that's their line of thinking, but I just think it's hilarious that they're just opening themselves up to more 49er red. It's like, man, you really don't know whose house that is. You know, whose house? When they're asking that, they really don't know. And they're asking the fans to tell them because they haven't got a clue. And I'm assuming if they do that this year, that chant, it'll probably be answered by a lot of 49ers fans not saying Rams house. You can bet on that. I think we need to talk about quarterback Brock Purdy. Is that all right with you guys? You know what's nice? Holy shit. It's like I just got hit with a, a, an, a, an epiphany wave of the fact that. Oh, you know what? I don't even know if I want to say this out loud. I'm just going to knock on wood. There it is. Hold on. I'll go silent. There's the wood. I think it's incredible that as of right now, we get to talk about one 49ers quarterback and that's it. It's incredible to me. Now, again, I'm not trying to jinx anything. You heard me knock on wood. If you're going to believe in jinxes, then you have to also believe in the knock. You can't have both. You can't have your cake and eat it too. You can't believe in a jinx and not believe in the knock. I knocked. You heard it. Respect it, please. And I think it's incredible that we get to talk about one 49ers quarterback and not dance around the fact that someone's going to get offended that you're not talking about the other 49ers quarterback. So weird. But I'm glad that for now, that moment is behind us. It's incredible. Um, One thing I noticed when I was looking at Brock Purdy statistics, he has officially passed the halfway point of his regular season, if you want to call it that. Fired off a little X, going to give it to you. And I said, Brock Purdy's played the majority of snaps in nine games. So I'm not including the Eagles game in which he um, was knocked out of the game very early on. And I'm not including like the Chiefs game where he just randomly came in because the game was out of reach and Kyle Shanahan wanted to pull Jimmy Garoppolo. But if you include every game in between that, let me uh, let me actually just pull them up for you so that I can list them off. Brock Purdy game. No, not in 2023, you idiot. Game logs, 2022. So this is including his start against, my, basically from Miami on, against Miami, Tampa Bay, Seattle, Washington, Las Vegas, Arizona, and then into the playoffs of Seattle and Dallas. And then going to this season, the Steelers. So from Miami to the Steelers, that was somewhere in the middle of the Steelers game. I guess it would be safe to pre- presume halftime. He hit the halfway point going from eight to nine games. In that time, sorry, I'm like really burying the lead here, just wandering on and on. 
in those nine games, Purdy completed 170 of 258 passes. That's essentially 66%. For 2,140 yards passing, 18 touchdowns, three interceptions, 100, and then he's got 57 yards rushing and two touchdowns and a 109 quarterback rating, whatever it's called, the basic one, not the weird ESPN one. And I know that one of those three interceptions was like an arm punt on fourth down. And another one was one that I believe bounced off Jawan Jennings' hands, if I'm not mistaken. So if you want to look at this with a little bit brighter rose-colored glasses, you can say Purdy has 18 touchdowns and two interceptions. That's not how football works. Quarterbacks will always have interceptions that aren't necessarily on them. But I think that is pretty damn impressive. And I think we're at a point in Purdy's career, and we'll get into this a little bit in a little bit, where I think that No one is underrating him anymore. I, I've and and for every game that he continues to play, how he's playing, and in terms of how he's playing, Adam Schefter tweeted, "Brock Purdy is the first quarterback." See, I can't even figure out when to say X and tweet whatever. Brock Purdy is the first quarterback in NFL history to win each of his first six career regular season starts and throw at least two touchdown passes in each start. Purdy is also the first quarterback in NFL history with a passer rating of 95 or higher in each of his first career regular season starts. So that tells me that this is not a fluke. This is not a man that's being carried by a run game. This is not a man that's being that has lucked into what he's doing on the football field. Brock Purdy's good because Brock Purdy's good. And I think we can I think we can start to embrace that. I mean, Micah Parsons of the Dallas Cowboys, one of the best defensive players in the NFL, is embracing that. We'll get into that. But I just think we're at a time where uh maybe Purdy is this good. And we'll you know, I don't want to expand on it too much because I'm gonna get into what I was gonna say in a little bit. But the silly thing that you still hear, I think it was Nick Wright, which, you know what I mean? Like, look, is an opinion from from Nick Wright really worth talking about? I don't think so. I mean, if you look at the dude's hair, like nowadays, I'm not sure. I mean, I'm not shaming anybody. I don't I shouldn't be shaming anybody. But I mean, it's not like he's going bald. He grew his hair out and he looks like Ichabod Crane or something like it's crazy, but Hey, at least he's got hair, right? I mean, there, you could, he could look on the bright side. I think there'd be a lot of men out there where they're like, Hey, at least he can grow hair. But anyways, he looks like somebody, you know, stepped out of the revolutionary war and is like, I can talk football anyways. He authored the opinion that we've heard a million times that makes just as little sense as it did when we first heard it. The fact that, well, this is just a quarterback in Kyle Shanahan's offense type of thing. And I'm like, what? Are we really still throwing that out and hoping it sticks? How many quarterbacks have we seen come into Kyle Shanahan's offense and not play well? Quite a few. I mean, Matt Ryan in Kyle Shanahan's offense was legendary. Um, RG3 in Kyle Shanahan's offense as a rookie was legendary, but that went down fast. Let's just go to 49ers. Let's ignore stuff before that. Uh, Brian Hoyer sucked in the 49ers offense. Nick Mullins sucked in the 49ers offense. Yeah, he did have one game that we could hold on to, I guess. CJ Beathard sucked in the 49ers offense. Jimmy Garoppolo had his moments, but for the most part, I feel like we could all kind of tell that things were being throttled. In a way, by Jimmy Garoppolo, he had a a cap on what he was able to do in Kyle Shanahan's offense, and I and I feel like that was one of the reasons why they moved on. One re, one part of the reason is injuries; the other part is things were only going to get so good with Jimmy Garoppolo. They got close, so that's a tough statement to make, but I, I do feel like that's what the 49ers thought. 
So, like, even going back to 49ers land, you know, Trey Lance didn't really play enough for us to really throw that out there, but he had moments of not looking good in Kyle Shanahan's offense. You know, like, why is this hard to understand? You still have to be a good quarterback. It doesn't matter. It might be quarterback friendly. The 49ers might have a lot of talent, but you still have to be a good quarterback because we've seen it. We've seen shitty quarterbacks in this offense do a little and then immediately flounder. They're not surprising anybody anymore. You got to come into this offense and you still got to play good football. It might elevate you a little bit. It might make you look good in moments that you may not have in another offense, may have not have thrived in that situation, especially when you got a play caller like Shanahan. But Brock Purdy is playing well because Brock Purdy's good. And that I guess there could be a point where that comes unraveled, where things definitely change, where he gets into different situations. But, I mean, he went against the Pittsburgh's de- defense, with uh, which by all intents and purposes was a very solid defense with a very solid defensive front. He got sacked a few times. I think Nick Wagner tweeted that there wasn't a whole lot of yards after the catch, and the dude still balled out. So, I, I mean, I really don't know. We obviously want to see more from him. The dude hasn't even eclipsed, uh, uh, you know, he barely eclipsed half a season's worth of playing time. But he really is doing the thing. And he went up against a solid Pittsburgh defense and still did the thing. So to sit there and, and act like this has everything to do with Kyle Shanahan's offense and the playmakers on that offense and nothing to do with the quarterback is nuts. It just doesn't make sense anymore. We're past it. You know, it's funny too, is you can go back, go onto YouTube. I would never necessarily like recommend watching highlights, but go watch Brock Purdy college highlights. He was doing the same shit and he looked just as good. Steve Smith, former Panthers receiver, went in on NFL scouts in regards to Purdy, talking about the fact that they're lazy and they're cowards. They have their prototypical size, arm strength, schools, you know, preferred schools when it comes to quarterback scouting. And they rarely will venture off that unless one of the other thing is, things is tempting them to do so. They didn't, you know, Purdy, you, you go watch his college stuff. He pretty much looked like he does in the 49ers offense. And it's easy to, easy to say that he should have gone earlier now. He should have been drafted much earlier. But at the same time, Steve Smith is saying, look, there were signs that this guy was good. But for the most part, everybody's so wrapped up in what their quarterback should be able to do. They should be. If Purdy was 6'4, he would have gone drafted probably five rounds earlier. That's essentially what he's saying. If Purdy's arm was a little bit stronger, he might have been drafted three rounds earlier. But because he doesn't have the strongest arm and he's not hella tall, they just, he doesn't really get considered for that. Now, at one point, Brock Purdy's draft status was really high. I'm not sure what happened to that. Maybe the NFL. We've seen NFL scouts get smart and talk themselves out of players many times. But that's what he's saying. It's like, oh, if his arm was just a little stronger, he would have got, you know, that. And that's crazy because you can, you believe it. And Brock Purdy's arm, not a plus arm, average NFL arm talent in terms of power. His size, average, if not below average. NFL size, but the dude has found a way to make up for it with his ability to grasp Kyle Shanahan's offense, his mobility, his ability to move around the pocket and create little bits of space, roll out and just create plays on his own. Understanding the offense, reading the defense, having a little bit of courage to uh, turn down the easier plays. Like KP, Kyle Posey said, Brock Purdy is not a singles hitter. KP created a cool video where he highlighted how Purdy had Kittle wide open in an easy completion, but instead he elected to go to the second level with it and take the riskier throw. JT O'Sullivan of quarterback school, the quarterback school, kind of said the same thing. Like, look, there's other routes that are open, but Purdy is aggressive and he's throwing open receivers with anticipation. He's taking risky throws. He's making the big time throws like the stuff down the side, the back shoulder down the sideline to Brandon Ayuk, uh, the deeper Devo Samuel play over the middle in the second window. 
he's making these plays that like should demand attention. And I think as time goes on, he will get more attention. But I feel like at this time, you could probably start to embrace the idea that Purdy might be for real because he's playing like he's for real. And and it ain't no splash in the pan now, especially when you talk about two of those nine games that I just talked about were against playoff teams or, I mean, don't even look at it like that. Miami, playoff team. Tampa, not a playoff team that year. Seattle, playoff team. Washington, no. Las Vegas, no. Arizona, no. But one, two, three, four different playoff teams. Actually, not different, but four playoff teams. Four matchups against playoff caliber teams. So, I mean, I can stumble over that all I want, but he's shown you. He's shown you, and I'm looking forward to him showing. Now, to get into what Mika Parsons said, uh, Mika Parsons uh, was on, I believe it's his own podcast. You can find the clip online. And he basically told everybody to stop sleeping on Brock Purdy. He's a top 15 quarterback in the NFL. And that kind of surprised me when he said that. And I saw, I was watching the Haberman and Middlecoff podcast. I keep having to like throttle back on my voice because if I talk too loud, then it starts to go uh, 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 like that, just like that, uh, 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 like Morse code, but my voice. Guy Haberman did a super quick exercise with him and Middlecoff. And after Mika Parsons said that Brock Purdy was a top five or top 15 NFL quarterback, he went through all the quarterbacks and how many of them you thought were better than Brock Purdy. So I wanted to do the same thing really quick. And I'm just going, I'm just, I organized it in terms of passing yards. I just have all the quarterbacks here. All right. Let's start at the top. Let me make sure it's 32. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 20, 100, 100, 100. It's, it should be. Anyways. Tua Tagovailoa. That's one. That I, and I'm just going to say, I'll just say better. Or not better. Tua, better. Kirk Cousins. <laughs> I've already reached an impasse. You know, I'm with Kirk. If I think it's close, I should go with the other guy. But I think with Kirk, there also has to be an element of this, of who would you rather have in this moment? And when it comes to who would I rather have between Brock Purdy and Kirk Cousins, I'd rather have Purdy because that dude cost me $900,000 and he's playing at arguably a higher level. Maybe not even arguably. Okay, Tua, better. Kirk, not better. Stafford, better. Mac Jones, not better. Derek Carr, not better. Jared Goff, close. I'm going to go not better. Jordan Love, not better. CJ Stroud, not better. Trevor Lawrence, better. Josh Allen, better. Three interceptions, though. Kenny Pickett, not better. Justin Herbert, better. Patrick Mahomes, better. Anthony Richardson, not better. Justin Fields, not better. Sam Howell, not better. Jimmy Garoppolo, not better. Ryan Tannehill, not better. Russell Wilson, the way he's been playing the last couple of years, not better. Baker Mayfield, not better. Jalen Hurts, better. Lamar Jackson, better. Sean Watson, better. Aaron Rodgers just got hurt, obviously. We'll say better. But if you're going to go with Zach Wilson, that's another not better. I feel like there's some quarterback missings in there. Is there a next page? What's the next page? Okay, here we go. I think I'm at I think I'm at nine. I'm gonna take Aaron Wilson or Aaron Rodgers off because he's just not here anymore. Dak Prescott. Man. Um I'll go better, although I don't feel that one. I don't feel that one. I'm I'm going with a very hesitant better. And if you disagree with me on that one, it's perfectly cool. Josh Dobbs, not better. Desmond Ritter, not better. Geno Smith, not better. Daniel Jones, not better. Joe Burrow, better. Tyrod Taylor, not better. Aaron Rodgers, okay, that's it. So I got 11 quarterbacks that were not better, or 11 quarterbacks that were better than Brock Purdy. And I feel like, you know, Kirk, you could take Kirk. That would, you know, you could take Goff. You know, Goff's, uh, Goff's proved himself pretty well, since, especially now that um, Detroit has really picked up the slack on offense. 
So, you know, you could, he'll hover right around 13, 14, 12, 13, 14, which that makes him a top 15 quarterback. And there's definitely some guys in there that you could, uh, you know, maybe give him the edge over. Did I say Deshaun Watson not better? I did. Or I did, I did say Deshaun Watson was better. But I mean, even then, the way he's looked when he got to, Cleveland, I don't know. I think Purdy gives him a run for his money too. And again, if you really want to add a little bit more context to that exercise, look at it in terms of salary cap and what would you rather have in this moment? Would you rather have Lamar Jackson and be giving him $50 million, Or would you have rather have Brock Purdy at 900000 I think there's an argument to be made both ways. Maybe you feel like Lamar Jackson takes you up and over uh, the edge and just makes you like a clear Super Bowl favorite. But maybe you feel like the fact that Brock Purdy is so inexpensive while also playing so well, you know, there's still a little element of future that you got to take into it. Uh, one of the things that Mika Parsons said that 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 resonated with me a lot is we haven't seen him really play from behind a whole lot. I think that guy was also talking about the fact that Purdy has some of the the fewest stats taken from behind in the NFL, like right next to Jalen Hurts or something like that. Which doesn't bother me when you're on a good team, you lead, you win in games and you lead games. And obviously it didn't bother Jalen Hurts as he went to the Super Bowl and still played really well in the Super Bowl. But, um, uh, you, you know, you do want to see Purdy run the, uh, you know, the, the two minute drill when they're down on the clock and they've got to have it, that type of stuff. You know, that's, that's fair because you really test the metal of a quarterback when it's like, if we if we're gonna have it, we have to have this this drive right now. But you know, I I don't think that for well for Mika Parsons to say this, having been beaten by Purdy, and he's saying this coming from an angle like Dallas did well against Purdy. You look at it right here. Purdy was nineteen of twenty nine. That's sixty five percent. No touchdowns. No interceptions. An 87 passer rating. He uh, and he he rushed for eight yards and no score. So obviously the 49ers did enough to win with Brock Purdy under center, but he didn't like light it up against Dallas. So you know for Mika Parsons to have probably the most success out of any team against Purdy, yet still believe he's a top 15 quarterback. I think that speaks a little bit towards Purdy. And the fact that no one, at least in the NFL, is overlooking him anymore. When you've got a stat hanging over your head like this dude has thrown at least two touchdowns in every single one of his games, and then you look at his games, two touchdowns, two touchdowns, two touchdowns, two touchdowns, two touchdowns, three touchdowns, three touchdowns. At some point, you know, NFL defenses will will start taking you seriously, and there's no chance that NFL is not taking Purdy seriously anymore. It seems like the media has more of a struggle to take Purdy seriously than the actual NFL, which it should be the opposite. The media should be taking guys seriously that aren't serious. You know, while the NFL is like, no, he's, he's for real. It's just, you know, they have a more educated opinion and a more experienced opinion. And it just seems backwards. Just seems backwards. So, again, I recommend going to check out J.T. O'Sullivan's video on the quarterback school. Super awesome watching him break down. His, it should be a, a must-watch video for all you guys. Uh, when it, I'm assuming he's planning on breaking down every single one of Purdy's videos, and they're just great information. He breaks them down from a quarterback's point of view, talks about the things he likes, talks about the things he doesn't like. It's impressive. It's, uh, it's fun to watch. It's very informative. It's always more fun to be there for live 49ers football. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official marketplace of the 49ers and the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And if your plans change... Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. And you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com slash 49ers.
All right, let's get into uh I'm hey, I'm actually let's get into my prize picks. Let's get into my prize picks for this week. And again, if you don't know what we're doing with prize picks, striking gold is now brought to you by prize picks. It's daily fantasy. Think more or less. Is this player going to score more or score less? Is he going to get more yards or less yards? And you can pick two to six players and, and that's it. I mean, it takes like 60 seconds if you wanted to, but I'm excited about this week. One, y'all, you know, your boy went, put together a donut last week. So let's talk about our picks this week because I actually put together two separate entries this week. I decided that I was not going to shell up into a, and do a turtle, become a shell of a man after going over last week. I decided that I was going to put together two entries and I was going to like it. Now, I did take one small step back. And what I did was, because once you put in three entries, Price Fix gives you the option. Do you want it to be a flex play or a power play? A power play means you've got to get all three. A flex play, flex, flex play means you just got to get two out of the three. And uh, I went flex play on both of them. So I'm not feeling that bold. I mean, let's relax. Okay, can we just relax? Guys, come back. Come back. Sit down. Let me explain myself, please. Guys, come on. Hey, can we just sit down? Thank you. Anyways, can I go, can I go over my entries with you guys without you wanting to get up? Thank you. Anyways. Moments like that, I wish it was like on video. I'm like waving my arms backwards. Like, come on, come on, come back here. Okay, so I picked on my first entry on prize fix. Promo code GOLD if you want them to match up to $100 of your first deposit. Promo code GOLD, G-O-L-D, four-letter word. Let's go. Brock Purdy, I picked to have more than 1.5 passing touchdowns. Just talked about it. He's done it, and essentially every game he's played in, every regular season game he's played in, he's done it. So I picked more there. My next selection within my first entry is Rams running back Cam Akers. I think he's going to have less than 32.5 rushing yards. Right now, I believe the Rams are kind of splitting touches between – we'll get into this in a little bit when I break down the Rams – but the Rams gave 15 touches to Williams and Akers got 22. The Rams ran the ball 40 times and only managed 92 rushing yards. That's 2.3 yards per carry. Akers ran the ball 22 times and managed 29 yards. 1.3 yards a carry. Against Seattle's defense, I feel pretty damn good about the 49ers' defense keeping that number under 32. I think you agree with me. And my last pick of that entry was for Rams kicker Brett Maher to have more than 5.5 kicking points. Essentially, I think he'll hit two field goals at least. And that to me seems really reasonable. When you look at their game against the Rams or against the Seahawks, they scored 30 points and they had one, two, three field goals. One missed. So they had one blocked, one missed, and then three field goals. So there were actually five field goal attempts in that game. And I don't necessarily think they'll get five chances at field goals against the 49ers, but I do feel like the Rams will probably knock off two kicks. And so I'm feeling good. We've got Brock Purdy over on passing touchdowns. Cam Akers, less than 32 rushing yards. Brett Maher, more than Essentially, two field goals or more. My second entry, I've got Matthew Stafford going over more than 228 passing yards. And for reference sake, if I go back to last week's game against the Steelers, despite the fact that they only scored seven points, Kenny Pickett threw for 232 yards. And he did not have a good game. But I do feel like the Rams are going to be down on the scoreboard unless things get really weird. And I feel like like Matthew Stafford's going to have to throw the ball a lot just to stop the clock during an incompletion and just move the ball down the field. 
So I'm going more than 228. But like I just said, when it comes to Kenny Pickett, that doesn't necessarily mean I'm, I think he's going to have success. I'm going more than 50 receiving yards for Debo Samuel. And I'm going more than 66 rushing yards for Christian McCaffrey. I mean, he had like 150-something last week, right? And since Brock Purdy's took over, McCaffrey's done really well in the in rushing yards department. Um, I do feel like Devo Samuel, despite being under that number, right, last week. No, he still went over that number. Debo didn't even have a big game, and he still managed five catches for 55 yards. I think a lot of that spotlight went to Ayuk, but Debo was still, you know, 55 is respectable. So I think he's going to go over that. And we've just seen Debo Samuel make so many insane plays against the Rams. He just loves bullying the Rams. So I I had to go with Debo. So what do you guys think? Again, I'm going to recap both my entries real quick. Brock Purdy, more than a touchdown and a half. Cam Akers, less than 32 rushing yards. Brett Maher, more than 5.5 kicking points. Next entry, Matthew Stafford, more than 228. Debo Samuel, more than 50.5. Christian McCaffrey, more than 66.5. I feel good. I feel good about my price fix entries. And I feel like you guys need to jump on the bandwagon so that we can go back and forth. I mean, you can you can enter as little of an amount as you want. It doesn't have to be huge plays. You don't have to be shelling out big bucks. You choose the amount that you enter, and then you roll with it. And if you want to step up the amount that you would receive in return. You can add more players. You can make it a power play. Do the damn thing. Prizepicks.com slash gold. G-O-L-D. Promo code gold. Get get on it. Get on it with me. All right. I'm trying. I mean, this is my first time jumping into the daily fantasy scene. I want y'all with me. You see how we do takeaways. I want y'all with me. So, I mean, get in there, use the code gold. They'll match any deposit up to a hundred bucks. Okay. You're going to hear all this from me again during an ad, but I'm still, I'm just, I'm saying, come on now. All right, Rams. Let's spend a little bit of time talking about the Rams. I'm all over the place when it comes to what I need to think about the Rams. I mean, I do feel like Matt, I do feel like they're a tad underrated because Matthew Stafford is playing. And I like Matthew Stafford quite a bit. Now, does that make him Mr. Invincible? Can he prop up an offense when the 49ers defensive line is coming after him? Not necessarily. But I do feel like Matthew Stafford has the talent level to put that offense on his shoulders and make something happen. Now, again, That doesn't mean that you just get to erase the 49ers defense and they don't get to do their thing. We saw what they did. I mean, you had Drake Jackson with three sacks, Javon Hargrave with a sack, Kerry Hyder with a sack. Nick Bosa didn't even have a sack. Eric Armstead was still back there causing problems routinely. So do the Rams, that, that to me is, it might be the biggest mismatch of the game. It's the Rams offensive line against the 49ers defensive front. And I'm kind of breaking this down into two sections. What can the Rams offense do against the 49ers? Because when you look at that last game, their top playmakers were just like who? You've got Nakua with 10 catches for 119 yards. Is he going to do that against the 49ers defense and the 49ers secondary? Atwell with six catches for 119 yards as well. I mean, that's 200 and essentially 238 yards between the two two players. I don't even know if the Rams would get 238 yards of total offense. I mean, I'm kind of, kind of, I mean, my entry kind of depends on that they do. But there's just, and, you know, it's such a weird game. They ran the ball 40 times at 2.3 yards a carry. You can't do that against the 49ers. You're going to be scrambling like crazy. And you know, the weird thing about the Rams beating the Seahawks in week one was in the fourth quarter, that score was 17-13. And then towards the, the final part of the game, Rams in the second half, Rams went field goal, touchdown, field goal, field goal. 
touchdown field goal field goal in the fourth quarter. You know, it's kind of like the Seahawks fell apart. I don't know what they did in halftime, psyched themselves out. Didn't get enough of Pete Carroll's gum. I don't know. But it just, the Rams beating the Seahawks 30-13 to 13 even seems more impressive than it was to watch. The Seahawks looked bad, and the Rams looked okay. Found a way to, you know, really turn on the pressure in the second half. But I just was not impressed by either team. And I don't think the Rams on offense have the star power to go up against the 49ers. Now, one thing we've got to address right out the bat, it's a division game. You know it. I know it. Things get weird. Throw all your normal stuff out of the window on a division game. Now, sometimes things hold true. I think the 49ers have beaten the Rams in the regular season eight straight times. That shit doesn't just happen by accident. The 49ers know what they're doing against the Rams, and the 49ers always show up. But, I mean, how many times can you beat one team in a row? You know, that's when you start to feel like, okay, is fate going to find some way to rear its ugly head here? Or is, or is the 49ers just going to keep stomping that ass? And it, it's we've seen the 49ers have these large sways of success early in the season. I mean, we've seen them, what did they go, 8-0, 9-0 that one year? And then we've seen them lose like three out of the first four games. At one point, I think last season, they were like three and four, right? So it's just we don't know necessarily which 49ers team showing up. On week two, things tend to like level out. You know, it's less of a surprise to anybody, and teams tend to start to level out. I tend to think that this is closer to the 2019 squad, right? When they went on that massive undefeated streak. The way this 49ers team played against this, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, traveling across the country in an early time slot against what I felt like was a solid team, the way they played against that team, it's um, it seems closer to 2019 in the way this team's going to go about its business. So I do expect the 49ers defense to get after the Rams in every way, shape, or form. I don't think they're going to let them run the ball. They're going to force the Rams to drop back and then you're going to have to deal with the bevy of 49ers defensive front talent like Drake Jackson. Like, Imagine me, the first name I mentioned, Drake Jackson. When did you think that was going to happen? But I'm going to give him his dues for now. Like Drake Jackson, like Nick Bosa, like Eric Armstead, like Javon Hargrave. Even Javon Kinlaw made himself a couple of plays. How do you stand up to that? You know, I what... What's this dude's first full name? Pua Nakua. Nakua. I got to get the Rams roster up here because this the NFL's official stat website only tracks uh, last names. So I'm going to pull it up here. Y'all know what I'm saying. It's just, can they stand up to what we know is just a, a, an onslaught of talent coming at this, this team? Puka Nakua. What a name. I mean, look at their offensive talent. You've got one of their wide receivers is Puka Nukua. Their starting tight end is Tyler Higby. Their other receivers, Tutu Atwell. Then you've got Van Jefferson still on the team. Okay. But again, it's Matthew Stafford. He could prop that team up. He can do some crazy things. I think that he's just one of those quarterbacks. You watch him against the Seahawks. He was slinging it. He was throwing it under pressure. He was sidearming it. He was feeling himself. He wasn't perfect, but he moved the ball. You know, he was 24 of 38 for for uh, 334 yards. Didn't even throw a touchdown, but was slinging the damn thing. Didn't turn the ball over either. I, and look at the Rams' offensive line. Do I even know any of these names? And some of this is going to be from ignorance. Alaric Jackson, Steve Avila, Brian Allen, Joe Noteboom. I know that one. Rob Havenstein, I know that one. But, I mean, are these the guys to stand up to the 49ers defensive front? I'm not sure. All I know is I keep just walking myself back to it's a division game. Things get weird. And then you get onto the 49ers side of things when, you know, the 49ers offense and the Rams defense. It's Aaron Donald and I don't know. Akella Witherspoon, the 49ers know. I'm sure the 49ers have got some routes dialed up for him to cover. You've got guys named Russ Yeast. And Michael Hoch, 
Like H-O-E-C-H-T. Hoked. Hoat. Hawked. I don't know. Zach Van Valkenburg. I mean, he's a backup, so I can't really come at him. But there's Aaron Donald and there's a bunch of other people. Now, this could be taken as some pretty extreme disrespect, but it's just the way it is. I feel like I'm I'm tempt I'm poking the bear, but this bear is like super small. So maybe people don't care if you poke it. Don't poke bears. That sounds mean. Ernest Jones the the fourth. At least he's got a, a Roman numeral in his name, like your boy. Louder the fifth. So I I mean I don't know guys I'm 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 just trying to say when you when I when I look at these games I look for mismatches and I see a 49ers offense that will have to find a way to deal with Aaron Donald but they've been able to do that in the past and they don't have anybody else the 49ers need to try and worry about at least not on paper you know let's go over to the Los Angeles and Seattle game go to the defensive statistics. Brian Young had half a sack. Aaron Donald had half a sack. Michael Hook had half a sack. And then Turner, wherever he is on here, had half a sack. Where's Turner? Mr. Turner. What's that from? Come on. Kobe Turner. You're just, I mean, you've got to come at the 49ers offense with a bit more than that. I mean, Kyle Shanahan's back there scheming up plays to take advantage of every weakness this offense or this def- the Rams defense has. And it seems like there's going to be quite a few players for him to pick and choose who he wants to pick on. It's like that scene where he's kicking the ball in the longest yard and he's looking through all the players and he finally finds one that looks terrified out of his mind. He's like, yeah, that's my bitch. I feel like Kyle Shanahan's looking at half these dudes like, yeah, that's my bitch. We'll see. Again, it's week two. Some of these guys might establish themselves as as legit playmakers. You know, somebody that the 49ers need to take note of. And they're going to know a lot more than I am. But watching this game back, the Rams and Seahawks, nobody was the Seahawks looked one just looked bad just looked distraught. Like there was even a play where Gino Smith gets pressured and you could hear him on the mic go, Oh my God. Like the, the guy was just running for his life. The Rams got two back-to-back sacks late in the game. Got some great field position. It would just looked like it was, it was a weird game to watch because like I said, I didn't feel like the Rams looked great, but the Seahawks looked worse. And, you know, when you're talking about talking about a 49ers team that is that has had it, how many times do they get to work their way deep into the season, into the playoffs, and then fall short? This team has had it. They've got all of them. They've got a, one of the most talented rosters in the NFL. They've got star players that are all getting paid, or in the case of Brandon Ayuk about to get paid by somebody, hopefully the 49ers. And they want to make this thing happen. So to me, this kind of feels like a 2019 squad that just is about that action. Doesn't want to deal with the bullshit. And they're not going to underestimate anybody. You know, if you're talking about trap games, this doesn't feel like one to me. Because it's the Rams. It's a division game. 49ers win this game. They're 2-0. They're leading the division. The Rams are now 1-1 right behind the 49ers. And I believe the Seahawks and the Cardinals both have losable games. I want to say it's like... The Giants and the Lions, who the other teams are facing. I I know my voice is is leaving me. I think they that sounds like they both lose those games. You so you got two teams in the division that are zero and two. The Rams, if they lose to the 49ers, would be one and one. The 49ers would be at the top at two and zero. You know, every single one of those division wins matters. I I guarantee you the 49ers, especially with the way the NFC is constructed right now want nothing less than the number one seed. Nothing less than the number one seed. So, I mean, you can you can talk about underrating players. You can talk about looking past teams. But in terms of the 49ers and the way they've started in the past, I feel like they're not overlooking any team, and they've probably got a very singular objective 
you know, the old cliche to go one and know every week because the 49ers really can't afford to do anything less. We've seen how well they can do in the postseason with that, with that first round by, I mean, when they went to the Super Bowl that year, it seemed like the easiest trip there they've ever had. I mean, they, they want the Vikings and then they want the Packers and then they were in the Super Bowl. They want that again. And with the way this entire team's playing, I would put them up against anybody in the AFC. Yeah, I understand the Chiefs are the real deal. And then there's other AFC teams that are the real deal. Bengals, whatever, whatever you want. I mean, they didn't start out great, but thats I don't think that's going to be the standard. I would put this 49ers squad up against any of them. So uh, to me, it seems like the 49ers are in a position where they know that maybe it's next year, maybe it's the year after that. Some of these star players are going to be heading out the door and they have to capture this opportunity now. So I'm not really buying into any trap games, any taking a week offs, any of that stuff. I think this team is fired up. And I think that playing the Rams in Stofi after they're coming off a win against the Seahawks will be a decent measuring stick. But I already told you, if the 49ers went in there and beat Pittsburgh, that that I would that I thought this squad was going to be for real. And not only did they go in there and they beat Pittsburgh, they they whipped that ass. So um, I have a lot of confidence in this squad, and I think that the Rams are not the team to challenge what the 49ers are capable of doing. Have we seen crazier things? Hell yeah, especially in division games. But I think I think this is I think this is a game the 49ers walk away with pretty handily because they just know that. They don't have a choice anymore. They don't. The time is now. All right. I appreciate all of you. Thank you for listening to Striking Gold. Please follow me on Twitter if you'd like to at Rob underscore louder. If you uh, if you deem us worthy, please jump on whatever application you are listening to this podcast and leave us a, a five star great review plus minus whatever they give you the option to do. I would appreciate it. But in the end, you're already offering your ultimate form of support and you're here listening, despite the fact that my voice sounds like a Kermit the Frog without a voice. I mean, let's not beat around the bush. So thank you for listening. I appreciate you. But as always, all good things must come to an end. And for another episode, I'm Rob. You're listening to Striking Gold, brought to you by Prize Picks, And we are signing out. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.